today on Ag News Daily. A lot of them are going to do their best to stick to a rotation in some capacity. There are some yet who uh, weren't able to lock in inputs at an earlier time, so they're still trying to decide what are they going to be putting on their field. Good afternoon and happy Market Monday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. Today's Market Monday is brought to you by DPH Biologicals. To unharness your soil's fertility to maximize yield, visit dphbio.com. And folks, this is our last Market Monday of 2021. So, of course, Delaney and I are pretty excited that we're wrapping up the year and talking to some of our final guests. Yes, we certainly are, Ashton. And because this week is Christmas, we're going to be having some fun discussions related to agriculture and their role in the Christmas season. But Ashton, I've got a great question to kick things off with for today's episode. What's your favorite Christmas treat? So growing up, my grandmother is a big cook. So we would always make candy for Christmas and we do like a caramel chocolate toffee kind Mm. of candy bark. I don't know what you want to call it, but either way, it's super, super good. My grandmother's recipe. I don't know if we're making it this year just because I've gotten older and so is she. So we haven't uh, been as on top of it the past couple of Christmases, but I'm hoping that we can because we are living with each other now. So we have a full house for Christmas this year. Well, that's certainly fun. I also have to agree that I am a big Christmas candy type of person. We growing up would always make like peanut clusters and Oreos and pretzels and all just a bunch of different goodies. And um, my dad always, you know, helped us make them or taught us how to make those different treats every year. And this year I went ahead and made, I don't even know how many batches of all of those different goodies and delivered them to friends and family this year as Christmas gifts. So I'm, I'm a big baker. So I really enjoy doing that for folks and Certainly hope that everybody has a great holiday season this year. But unfortunately, Ashton, just to (laughs) kick things over onto a little bit more of a sour note here, right off the top, you know, we have to talk and recognize some of those folks that are not going to have such a pleasant holiday season this year, including those folks out in Kansas who, in a lot of instances, don't have much of anything left after those fierce winds sparked quite a few different wildfires last week. And so as you look at the aftermath of that storm, those winds, we saw high winds and dry conditions resulted in multiple wildfires in Western Kansas last Wednesday. And at least a dozen homes were burned up as well as three people hospitalized. And, you know, this week now I saw this article on farmjournalsagweb.com. It's folks that are finally able to take some time here to kind of assess the aftermath. And there were quite a few ranches that were hit hard with livestock, unfortunately perishing in those fires. As I mentioned, there are a lot of different homes and ranches that were burned up in that as well. One farmer went to say that her family has worked on the same place for over 140 years, and now that legacy was taken by the fire. So certainly a lot of folks still dealing with the aftermath of that here heading into the holiday season. So we certainly do want to keep those folks, not only in Kansas, but those folks also in Kentucky and out east as well, who dealt with some severe weather as well. But keeping those folks in our thoughts and prayers this holiday season, as you and I both know, we have a lot to be thankful for. And 
certainly our families are healthy and happy. And there are a lot of families this year that are going to be struggling to, to build, rebuild after that. So certainly a lot to, to think about this holiday season. Absolutely, Delaney. Those things are pretty tough to go through. And I feel like especially, you know, more tough here during the holiday season. But I'm going to take things now up to Canada as we have seen a report of a case of atypical BSE in an eight and a half year old beef cow in Alberta. This carcass did not enter the human food or animal feed chains, according to Canadian authorities. So some good news there, but some difficult news to read here on this Monday afternoon. Yeah, it certainly sounds that way, Ashton. And you know, the other thing that we have to consider this holiday season is that Omicron infections are rapidly multiplying around the world. And that has really spooked the markets today. We're going to get into that here in just a little bit with Naomi Bloom. So I won't steal too much of her thunder, but really, you know, between South American weather and now this new Omicron virus variant, uh, there certainly are a lot of things that the markets are happening to trade. But as you look at the La Nina pattern, warm, dry conditions are really happening throughout South America right now, but more specifically, about one third of Brazil's grain belt is currently experiencing dry conditions and crop stressed conditions. Roughly 10% of Argentina's crops are dealing with drought stress, and about 86% of that country's corn and soybean crop is rated good to excellent. So we still see a pretty good set there heading into their key growing season. But the area that is under stress in Argentina in particular is expected to expand to at least 40% of their nation's corn and soybean crop here over the next two weeks in Argentina, while Brazil's summer corn crop that accounts for about a quarter of their total production is being impacted more significantly and are expecting to see some adjustments to production here as we head into their key growing season. So markets are certainly kind of trading different pieces of news right now. But like I said, I won't steal too much of that because Naomi and I are going to touch on that quite in depth here coming up in just a moment. But Ashton, before we continue on with any other news for today, as we mentioned at the top of the hour, we are sponsored today by DPH Biologicals. And we had a couple of Tech Tuesday conversations with Mick Messman, president and CEO of DPH Biologicals, just a few weeks ago, where Mick talks about the company's new biofertility program, TerraTrove. Refined across millions of acres, TerraTrove works in broad acre applications to improve soil structure while manufacturing plant nutrition. TerraTrove combines microbes, plant extracts, and algae to offer the most complete biofertility solution available. To unharness soil fertility and maximize yield, visit dphbio.com to learn more. Well, Delaney, I am going to continue to talk about inflation here. It's something that we have been paying attention to, especially on our Market Monday conversations. But I think we're seeing the effects really across the board here. And one of the latest announcements that we've seen has come from Bridgestone, the owner, of course, of Firestone Ag Tires. They have come out and said that they will increase prices starting February 1st to respond to current market dynamics. Bridgestone says that prices will go up as much as 14% on Bridgestone and Firestone truck and bus radial tires, 
off the road and ag tires, tracks, and tubes in both the U.S. and Canada. Their sales teams are contacting customers with detailed information about the February increases. So if you're one of those customers, be expecting a phone call. Well, Ashton, one phone call that we may not have to see happen as much this year will be bankers reaching out to folks in rural America about their current cash positions. For 13 straight months, the rural economy has posted healthy and consistent gains, according to December's Rural Main Street Index from Creighton University. For December of 2021, the RMI sits at a 66.7, which is slightly lower from November. However, as you look at farm economy as a whole, I want to say something like 83% of farmers are in solid cash, cash positions. And bankers surveyed also were asked to describe the economy in their area, and 7% of those bankers surveyed reported strong economic growth, 63% reported modest economic growth, 23% reported little to no change, and 7% reported a little bit of modest economic downturn. But for the third straight month, the Farmland Price Index also set a new record which comes as no surprise. As you know, we've continued to see soaring prices here on farmland across 2020 into 2021. And that certainly has impacted the health of rural economy, which by all means are set up here very nicely and we'll be seeing some continued strength heading into 2022. So certainly a time for farmers to have a little extra jingle in their pocket this year and bankers to take a little bit of a breather knowing that their farm customers are positioning themselves well heading into 2022. Well, Delaney, my final piece of news today is a little bit of a niche news story, I would say, and it's coming from Russia as they have suspended imports of fruit, including lemons, mandarins, peppers, grapes, and pomegranates from 33 Turkish and Iranian producers citing alleged food safety violations. But it was reported that such restrictions are often seen as politically motivated, although Russia is denying that. But I thought it was interesting because at 33 countries or 33 producers, I feel like that's uh, quite a number, Delaney. Yeah, it certainly sounds that way, Ashton. And, you know, speaking of limiting markets, the National Corn Growers Association is donning on mosaic to end fertilizer tariffs. One of the nation's leading fertilizer companies has erected insurmountable tariff barriers to keep their top competitors out of U.S. markets. And according to a letter released this week by the National Corn Growers Association, they are asking state affiliates and others to sign a letter or have signed the letter, which was sent to executives at Mosaic, asking them to allow imports. Because as we previously, I think, reported on the podcast, Mosaic was or did impose tariffs that would be in place until at least March. But, you know, we've seen skyrocketing fertilizer prices. And so therefore we're seeing NCG and other groups take action here, demanding that we see allowed usage of fertilizer imports. And, you know, that comes as no surprise. We're seeing a lot of farmers continue to deal with decisions that need to be made for their 2022 growing season. And we don't have a lot of answers when it comes to when these fertilizer prices will see any sort of end in sight. So certainly 
going to continue to keep an eye on those stories as well, Ashton. Absolutely, Delaney. But like I mentioned there, I am all out of news for today. Are you ready to talk markets? I certainly am, Ashton. We really saw grains finish mix open. I should say open and finished mix today with corn trading mostly lower and soybeans and wheat uh, trading higher. Now, I would like to say here that corn did have pretty significant rallies up until last Friday when they posted the highest price since July. So it doesn't come really as a huge shock today that we did see those markets step back and take a breather here. March corn down two and a quarter cent, closing at 591. The May down two and a quarter, ending at 592. Soybeans trading on continued bullish news of hot and dry in South America, added seven cents in the January contract to close at 1292 and a quarter. The March up six and a quarter cent closing at 1294 and three quarters. Now, wheat really was the remarkable story today because at some point during the trading session, well, really this morning after opening, they clawed their way down into about 11 to 18 cent losses across the board. However, fought their way to finish in positive territory this Monday afternoon. March Chicago contract up two and three quarters cents, closing the day at 777 and three quarters. The May ended two pennies higher to close the day at 780 and a half. And in the protein markets, we saw continued weakness today as the February live cattle contract shed 45 cents, ending the day at 135.97 and a half. The April gave up 42 and a half cents today, closing the day out at 140.17 and a half. And in feeder cattle today, the January contract down $1.02 and a half, closing at 159.22 and a half. The March down $1.20, closing at 160.50. Lean hogs continuing to push lower as the February contract shed $1.32 and a half to end at $79.47 and a half. The April down $1.27 and a half to close at $83.50. Lastly, wrapping things up here, Ashen, with the class three dairy milk futures. January down 21 cents today, closing at 1904. The Feb down 24 cents, closing at 1946. Without further ado, Ashen, let's turn it over to my conversation with Naomi Bloom. Well, folks, for today's Hashtag Market Monday podcast and the last podcast of 2021, we are joined today by Naomi Bloom of Total Farm Marketing. Naomi, we're going to start things a little differently today because in the holiday spirit, I want to ask you a question related to Christmas first. Naomi, what is your favorite holiday Christmas treat? Oh, lefse. It's a Norwegian favorite. So it looks like um, a flour tortilla, but it's uh, primarily made out of potatoes, like mashed potatoes. And then you put um, butter on it and then sprinkle it with sugar. So it it looks like a tortilla, but it's um, a wonderful Norwegian dessert. So yeah, lefse, L-E-F-S-E. Yes. Okay. I've heard of lefse. So very interesting. All right. We'll have to see what our listeners share as their favorite holiday treats. But Naomi, we've got a little bit of a holiday shortened this shortened week this week with markets being closed on Friday. We saw some mixed trade today to kick off the holiday week. What was going on today in particular? Well, the outside markets came in with a lot of sell pressure on the overnight and early this morning. So the energy markets were down hard and some of the soft markets, um, so that's coffee and sugar and cocoa. So the reason that those markets were down lower, it's a bit of um, profit taking ahead of the holiday, but there were also concerns about the Omicron variant 
and some potential shutdowns happening in places around the world. So that just kind of made a risk off appetite for the market. Grain markets kind of started trading lower because of that, but pretty quickly shook it off. So I thought it was very impressive that wheat on the overnight was down almost, boy, 17, 18 cents and finished the day stronger. So the Chicago wheat up two and three quarters at the close, Kansas wheat up three cents at the close, soybeans finished six to seven cents higher. We even had the July contract close above $13. So that's a big deal. And corn only finished a couple pennies lower today. So the grain markets really said, nope, we're going to stick to our guns and trade fundamentals and shook off the negative outside market influence. Yeah. And when you look at the energy markets, crude oil's had two pretty down days in a row with Friday. And then, of course, today's trade. Uh, What's shaking that? Just the Omicron variant? Yeah. So there's, of course, concerns that if they do shutdowns again, that people won't be out and about driving. And, you know, those are things that could happen in other parts of the of the world. But I got to tell you, I just did some work travel recently and had to drive six hours into Iowa And it was the most traffic I have ever seen, ever, in the 10 years I've been doing that drive. And then even on my way home, it was really heavy traffic the whole way home to where I couldn't keep my cruise control on for more than like five minutes at a time because there was just that many cars on the road. So I thought that was really interesting. And I think that we'll see that kind of um, demand news show up on the Wednesday energy report that comes out every Wednesday morning. So the demand, I think, is there, and energy markets continue to test some key moving averages, and every time we go down and test those averages, it ends up being a place for buyers to come in and try to lift the market price higher. So I think we'll see crude oil back up near the $70 area and then just try to trade throughout that area near $70 until we get through the year end. And keep an eye, of course, on what's happening with Russia and Ukraine. That could be, you know, something that affects the market. But overall, yeah, anytime this energy market falls back, it's just been a buying opportunity and it's been great. You know, our ethanol numbers continue to be strong. The demand is there for the corn use for ethanol category as well. You may want to hop in here and talk corn markets in particular because we saw some new rallies posted or new prices posted last Friday. Highest level I read since July was posted. Finally, you know, of course, we pulled back a little bit today, but that does pose the question, what do you think our new area of resistance is going to be here heading into 2022? Yeah, for the March contract, $6 continues to be the resistance level on daily charts so that's just a big technical hurdle to get above, and it's a psychological hurdle to climb above as well. And so now if we can get above that, then the technical upside quickly points to 625, but then you could ultimately say 640, which for this March contract was the highest that it had been back in May. Now, I don't have any reason, though, why corn should need to go higher than 640 on the futures market. For that to occur, we need three things to happen. We need a really friendly January 12th USDA report. We need the dollar to go lower. And we would need really hot and dry weather to occur in South America. So you're asking the market to do a lot of things. So I guess my thought would be, if we see any pushes higher for prices into year end and the new year, if you got grain in the bin, get moving it. 
and start focusing on your new crop sales too. Well, Naomi, before we get to my next question here, I wanted to remind folks that we are sponsored today by DPH Biologicals. If you're looking for an alternative to starter fertilizer, DPH Biologicals offers a competitive alternative for broad acre crops without sacrificing yield. Refined across millions of acres, Terratrove combines microbes, extracts, and algae to offer the most complete biofertility solution available. To unharness soil fertility and maximize yield, visit dphbio.com to learn more. And you know, Naomi, as we're talking about fertility, acreage is a large question that comes into play here heading into 2022. What are you hearing from folks as far as are they going to stick to a corn-on-corn rotation? Are we going to see them shifting into wheat or soybeans? Yeah, so that is a, it's a good question. It's an unanswered question of the clients that I'm talking to. A lot of them are going to do their best to stick to a rotation in some capacity. There are some yet who uh, weren't able to lock in inputs at an earlier time. So they're still trying to decide what are they going to be putting on their fields because the input costs are high. And there are still places like in the Dakotas that have the ability to plant soybean. They can plant spring wheat. They can plant oats. They can plant barley sunflower seeds. So those are markets that are still overall trading at higher values in general because they're still trying to attract acres. Specifically looking at the March Minneapolis wheat market, uh, that's a market where $10 is support and 1050 is resistance and it has been trading sideways for three months. So the longer a market trades sideways, the bigger the potential breakout can be higher or lower, of course, depends on market news. But the fight for acres in my opinion, it's it's still on, and, and there's a lot of twists and turns that could come going forward. Um, yeah, not an answered question yet by any means. No, certainly does not sound that way, Naomi. But when you look at soybeans, you know, they had a nice little rally, especially today. You mentioned that they're still reacting to South American weather there. But how much room do we have left to continue trading South American weather? Only a couple more weeks, I think. Uh, maybe seasonally, soybean futures for the March contract, it has a tendency to work higher into mid-January and then a little bit of a pullback. And that makes sense because by then we have a better idea of what the South American crop and production is or isn't. So um, my thought would be if we can get a push higher here into the end of the year and into the new year, I want to capitalize it. And, and just like corn, get current on old crop sales and really be pulling the trigger with some new crop sales. Because just like corn, in order to get that market to go, you know, exasperatingly higher, we need a lower dollar. We need a friendly USDA report on the 12th of January. And I mean, it would have to be really significant hot and dry weather in Argentina or southern Brazil. And Naomi, you mentioned pulling the trigger there on some sales. Where do you guys sit as far as 2022 sales go for new crop corn and soybeans? Well, really looking to get the trigger pulled very soon over the next few weeks here to where what I'm going to be recommending for my clients would be to be 25 to a third sold um, heading into the new year. And then hopefully, you know, a lot of times we like to see farmers 50% sold come 4th of July, because then you have a better idea of what's growing in your backyard. But what's different this year than last year is that we are starting at high prices for all of these grain commodities. So we're still pricing in ending stocks that are tight. We're still pricing in the fact that acres need to be bought and planted 
Um, but because we're starting at higher levels, we want to be, I think, a little bit more aggressive on this one more potential push higher that we could see here. Because, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm getting a little bit more concerned that if African swine fever should come to our country this year, and everyone has been doing a fantastic job of keeping it out, but if by chance it comes here, that's the black swan that puts, you know, just detriments grain prices here in the United States, because then there would be the perception of, you know, less hogs needing feed, therefore prices would go down because we wouldn't be using as much feed for the hogs. So just really keep that in mind and be planning for um, that, that that could be something that could wipe out prices, even though right now the outlook for grains is friendly, just always be ready for plan B just in case something happens. Naomi, I want to ask you a question here relating to the live cattle market. February live cattle is the top in. Um, for the February contract, the top may be in. I don't think, though, that the February contract is going to fall apart. And I do think we could go back up and retest near that 140 area. So it's kind of a mixed answer. So I don't see things falling apart. But for the prices to make a new contract high before the contract expires would be tricky. Now, the next point would be those deferred cattle contracts I'm still quite friendly for. For the April contract, for the June contract, I think that they still have the ability to work higher as 2022 progresses. And Naomi, finally, your thoughts here on the lean hog market, which have had a little bit of an ugly past couple of trading sessions. Yeah, it has. Um, the Looking at the February chart, it just continues essentially to consolidate. It's a big consolidation range where on the February hogs, 82 is resistance and right now 78 is support. And it's trying to really understand supply and demand fundamentals. We know that the production has been a little bit lower because the hogs are a little bit lighter in weight. So the production has been down a little bit. And our domestic demand is okay. And our export demand has been okay. And we're expecting that we're going to see exports to China continue to dwindle. So the market is just really trying to understand where is fair value for it for right now. So short term, I do think that hogs continue to overall trade in a short-term sideways pattern. But on the longer-term charts, it is actually starting to look a little bit friendlier. Some nice technical bottoming formations, but we still have weeks yet in the month to go. So a lot can change. Yeah, absolutely. Naomi, since you mentioned China there, you know, we got some fresh news last week that they're planning on increasing tariffs again, which the U.S. would be as part of that. Do you expect to see demand really slow here in 22 because of that news? No, because we've already been dwindling our exports to them anyway over the past six months. So um, to me, it, it doesn't mean that we're going to stop exporting to China. It just means that the pace may continue to slow a little bit. But I, based on everything we know right now, don't think that it's going to come to a grinding halt by any means. Fantastic. Well, Naomi, we certainly appreciate you being our last market analyst of 2021. If folks want to pick your brain and chat with you a little bit more here heading into the new year, how can they get a hold of you? Give me a phone call. I'd love to have a nice conversation. Give me a call at 800-334-9779. Fantastic. Well, Naomi, thank you so much again for chatting markets with us today. Hope you have a great holiday yeah. season. Yes, thank you. Happy holidays to you too.
Thanks again there to Naomi for being our final Market Monday interviewee of the year. We're going to have three more episodes this week, including our Tech Tuesday episode, so folks can tune in at agnewsdaily.com. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Absolutely, Ashton. Let's let them go.